KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The leaders of the G7 countries recently endorsed the concept of a global minimum corporate tax of at least 15%. So what does this mean? How hard will it be to make this happen everywhere? Is it realistic? Will companies work to try to find other ways to avoid paying taxes? We really wanted to drill down into this, so we reached out to Dr. Miguel Glatzer, Associate Professor of Political Science at LaSalle University. Really interesting conversation. We touch on it all. Give a listen. So we recently had this announcement from the G7, the endorsement of a 15% uh, minimum global corporate tax. Uh, how big is this? It's a big deal. It's a, it's a big shift from what has occurred over many decades, which is a race to the bottom, where countries kept lowering their corporate tax rates, in part because you had the emergence of, of tax havens, The ones we're most familiar with that are most famous are probably the Cayman Islands and Bermuda and the British Virgin Islands. People often talk about those places as tax paradises, right, where companies will will often register. And those places actually pay pay zero tax. Companies pay pay zero, zero corporate tax there. But some larger countries have also engaged in this lowering of tax rates. And some of those are Ireland and Luxembourg. Uh, the Netherlands, uh, Singapore is is another example in in uh, in Asia, Hong Kong as well. And the argument against these these tax havens is that they create this race to the bottom, right? This 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 beggar thy neighbor policy, where the idea is you can attract some foreign investment largely through through tax shifting. That then makes it harder for countries that want to raise revenue to do so, right? Because as as the world has become more globalized, as the economy is is more connected, multinational companies can simply shift profits often artificially from one jurisdiction to another, right? So they so they go they go tax sh- shopping basically, right? And that's many argue is really bad because it it closes off an important source of revenue for for many countries, right? If we look historically at this, we've seen that corporate taxes as a percentage of total government revenue has declined for for many decades. And the Biden administration is wanting to reverse that, right? And so to do that, it's very, very helpful to to have a global agreement so that you block off, right, the ability of these of these multinational companies to to tax shop. Is this in place or is this just something I think the the word I kept seeing was endorsed? Is this something basically that the G7 countries have said, yeah, we're for this, we'll do it? How do you get this universal? Is it just uh, like, is this where the hard work begins, I guess, is is my, my question. This is really where the hard work begins. These talks have been going on and off for about two years now. There have been other attempts led by the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. It's a it's a non-governmental uh, organization many of the rich democracies belong to, including the U.S. It's based in Paris. It has uh, led many studies and uh, as well as talks on trying to close some of these some of these loopholes. So there has been building momentum for re-regulating global taxation. This is certainly a breakthrough because we have agreement from from the G7, right? So so from very very important large 
economies. But the heavy lifting starts now, right? And the heavy lifting involves both the US, because the Biden administration would need to change American tax policy. It has support for this in the House, not in the Senate, right? Where Republicans are skeptical of this idea of raising corporate corporate taxes, right? And, and changing uh, international corporate taxation. So the US faces a challenge at home. And then and then other countries, for this to really work, other countries would need to move from endorsement to actually passing legislation in their national parliaments, right? Actually enacting it. And, and it would need to be not just the G7, but it would need to be many more countries as well, right? So from the G7 to the G20, and then beyond that to many, many more jurisdictions. There is some heavy lifting that still needs to be done. The US does have a big stick which is that it can change its own tax policies unilaterally. Again, it would require Senate approval for that, but it could simply tell companies we're going to tax more of your income abroad. And so that's an that's a strong incentive for, for other countries to get to get on board with this with this plan, right? That plan basically allows countries to tax companies for the economic activity that they're involved with in that country, as opposed to the current regime that allows the company to choose where it wants to book its profits, right? So you've got lots of moving parts, right, to this to this really interesting story. So let's say this were to come to fruition. It the US is able to get it the, you know, the president's able to get it through Congress. He approves it. We're at 15 percent. The G7's at 15 percent. We lean on the other countries. All of a sudden, uh, everybody's involved. How big would this be for the global economy if there was this uh, level playing field for for corporate taxation? What kind of changes could we see in this scenario where this actually takes hold on a global scale? Good, Good question, Matt. So there would be winners and losers. The losers would be the the zero tax tax havens and the low tax tax havens. So places like Bermuda, the British Virgin Islands, Ireland, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, they would likely lose out because companies would stop artificially booking so many of their profits in those places. So those would be the losers. The big winners would be Countries that have large economies, large populations, where these multinational companies are doing a ton of business, right? So think of, for example, a Facebook, a Google. That these talks are are connected to questions about how we how we tax the new digital behemoths. The current situation is that Facebook really makes a lot more profit in France, right, which has many, many more people than Ireland does, because Facebook is able to artificially say that a lot of its activities are taking place in Ireland and Luxembourg, places like this, France doesn't get to tax the economic activity that Facebook is engaged in in France, right? Um, And the same thing for the US, we lose out on, on potential revenue, because Facebook can book so much, so much of its profits in in these low tax or zero tax uh, regimes, right? So large countries would be the ones who would who would benefit. 
And these revenues then could be used for the for precisely the kinds of things that um, that the Biden administration wants to accomplish: investing in infrastructure, uh, physical infrastructure, investing in education, helping with with paid daycare, for example, right, to allow families an easier work family balance. It would create revenue that could be used for more public research and development, for example, something that Janet Yellen has has called for. Um, so it would lead to pretty significant significant changes. It would allow governments to do more without having to increase personal income taxes or sales taxes, which is a very popular form of tax outside outside the U.S. You kind of talked about this earlier, but I'd like to drill down on this. Let's say this does start to take hold. Uh, and you mentioned the U.S. has a big stick to try to get countries in line. Let's say, just for argument's sake, a, a Luxembourg says – uh, we hear what you're saying, but you know what? We're very comfortable with our 0% and we're not going to follow this. Thanks, but no thanks. What would stop them, you know, when, you know, because they're obviously benefiting from this or they wouldn't be doing it? That's a that's a great question. If you're in the EU, some of these changes might require unanimity. The European Union, for some policies, requires Unanimity. That means that any single country would have would have a veto, right? However, because countries have multiple preferences, they might be willing to give up on their preference to be a low tax jurisdiction in exchange for for greater benefits in in other areas, right? It might be you give this up to to be able to have a good relationship with the U.S., which you want for for reasons X, Y, and Z, right? Or you give this up because there are other things that you you want in a reform of EU institutions. So one way to think about this is to think about it in terms of a sort of international chessboard, where you might be willing to to give up on something in order to gain a benefit elsewhere, right? Or to to generate goodwill goodwill elsewhere. But it's a it, it does present a major challenge for for Ireland, which is able to have I think corporate taxes there account for about twenty percent of the Irish government's revenue. That's that's much higher than in the large countries. So they would they would be facing some some financial difficulties that that come from that. Right. Um, the the answer the other countries would give is would be most likely to say, look, there are other areas where you can where you can increase taxes, right? You can still generate revenue, just don't do it at the expense globally, right? Don't don't engage in this in this race to the bottom, right? So let's assume that this is 15% everywhere. Am I a cynical broadcaster to think that companies won't find new and exciting ways to get out of paying these taxes uh, if it's not based on a where they are? I you know, I'm not a tax expert, but I find it hard to believe that these places would be like, well, you know what? It's probably time for us to pay our fair share. We would just see new ways they would try to save as much money as possible, no? Yes, they, they would certainly be creative. There are a lot of very, very high paid tax accountants and international tax consultants who would indeed who would indeed try to find loopholes. But I think this initiative would it it, it wouldn't fully eliminate tax arbitrage, but it would lower the incentives for a big chunk of it, right? And I, I should also mention that the 15%, think of the 15% as a floor, countries would still be free to go well above that in their 
in their rates of corporate tax. And that's the, that's the case for the U.S. The U.S. currently has a corporate tax rate of 23%. The Biden administration would like that to increase to 28%. Part of the push for this 15% global minimum is the following. If we can get much of the rest of the world to agree to 15%, then if we go up to 28%, that difference still exists, but it's a much smaller difference than, say, 28% relative to to zero or to 12%, which is the, the, uh, the Irish rate. So the idea is you're, you're, you're reducing the gap, which then allows you to, to choose to increase your corporate tax rate if, if you want to, right? So I think, yes, there would be still some, there would be some attempts to, to still shift taxes, but the OECD's work has been really good on, um, on analyzing how, how these, these how these tax shifting processes work and this policy of a 15% global minimum where a country is entitled to tax a company based on its activities in that country that means that even if facebook were to try to find a a new tax haven right france for example would still be able to to tax its activities that took place in france right so in a sense it, it this policy tries to tries to imagine a new way of figuring out who taxes whom, right? And on and on what basis? And the the new basis is on your activities in that country, not on where you choose to artificially book book your profits. So, as someone who has studied this, someone who follows this, what do you think is the eventual outcome? Do you think we get just about everybody on board? Do you think the the G7 sets an example and we've still got these other countries? Do you think this is a great press release soundbite moment at the G7 and then it falls by the wayside within six months? What do you think is the likely path we're going to see? I think the likely path is actually one of progress I'm, I'm on this issue. I'm, I'm quite optimistic on it. And the reason for that is the, the large, all the large economies are facing important demographic pressures right they have aging populations those are that means they have more and more retirees that they need to take care of right in terms of medical costs think of in the US medicare and social security for example there are important investments they want to make to address climate change for example to shore up their infrastructure there's a lot that they want to do and they're increased they feel increasingly frustrated by the fact that in a globalized economy with with footloose capital big multinational companies have been able to basically thwart these countries ability to raise raise revenue from them right so i think there's a, a strong push on the part of the the large economies to say that this is really this is really important that they increasingly need to close off this spigot and you have some of the the some of the some of the countries that had benefited from low taxes right that had engaged in this uh in in this tax competition saying they no longer really want to play this role right the the netherlands has said this um political leaders in the netherlands have said we 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 no longer want to show up in the list of in the list of tax havens right the the sort of the moral story around this has has shifted there's plenty of of shaming going on in in uh in these international fora, if you are a 
if you're seen as a tax haven, right? That's that's seen as really increasingly unacceptable. And some of the some of the countries that have been considered to be to be tax havens are realizing that and are have, have committed to moving away from that. Other countries that would that would like to continue doing so will increasingly be powerless, right? Because because this new regime would allow would allow countries to tax companies where they do business, right? Or if they do business in in their territory, not based on where those companies choose to choose to book their profits. So I think there's a lot of momentum for it. I am a little bit worried about the Senate here in the U.S. and Republican opposition. Um, so that then ties back to questions about about the filibuster. Will there be filibuster reform? Will there be? Would Joe Manchin, for example, be able to to get ten? Republican senators to to agree to this that that's certainly a, a question mark, but I think the momentum is certainly in favor of of changing global tax rules. And to that point, let's say it doesn't get out of the Senate and it and it dies there in the U.S. How much does that hurt it if the U.S. can't can't get there? It could hurt the U.S. because other countries might choose to go forward with ways of taxing multinational companies, including American giants, right, like Facebook and Google, they might choose to to go ahead with plans that the U.S. has opposed. So part of the backstory to this deal is that France was wanting to tax Facebook and Google activities in, in France. And to do it idiosyncratically, right? Just saying this is this is what we're going to do, right? With respect to these to these big behemoths, these big global champions, right? The the new the new darlings of the global economy. And the US was worried that the French were drafting tax regulations that targeted American companies in particular, right? Because American companies have been so successful in, in this digital age. The American position was we would rather have a global agreement that sets standards for all kinds of companies across as many countries as possible, rather than having individual countries pick and choose, right, and target American companies, right, target American winners, right? So imagine that this Biden-brokered agreement were to fail in the U.S. Senate, France and a number of other countries might choose to go ahead with what for the US would be a suboptimal position, right? A suboptimal outcome. That could that could hurt the US, but it also increases the leverage of the Biden administration to tell the Senate, look, you don't act in isolation. We don't act in isolation. We're part of this this globalized world uh, where other actors are increasingly impatient and wanting to find sources of revenue for their for their domestic priorities. And how does China fit into all this? That's a great question. When it comes to tax havens, Hong Kong is often mentioned, but but China isn't. And yet China also, of course, is an increasingly important economic player. We've seen, I, I haven't read about multinational companies choosing to book their profits in China itself. So I don't think it's seen as I don't think it's on this list of of tax havens the way Ireland, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Cayman Islands, Bermuda, right, uh, British Virgin Islands are. But China certainly is 
is an economic powerhouse, and it also has companies that are increasingly large multinational players, right? I imagine that China would most likely want to join this deal, and that's because it's a large country where multinational companies want to do business, where they have lots and lots of customers, and this kind of deal privileges places that are large markets, right, rather than small islands, for example, that are artificially used to to book profits. So China, in principle, would benefit from the closing off of these of these small tax haven jurisdictions. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>